This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The opinions expressed in this episode are not to be construed as medical advice. Welcome to Demystify Beauty, a weekly podcast about creating transparency in the beauty space. I'm Mackenzie Westmore. And I'm Dr. Paul Nassif. Dr. Nassif, how are you doing? You know, rocking and rolling. Um, I got to tell you, you know, you and I spoke a few days ago. Yeah. In today's podcast, I mean, I'm really excited about this because it's interesting. A lot of my friends are doing this whole... I know we're going to get into it, this whole Zempic thing, and yeah. um, and uh, it's more and more and more and more. And I ran into probably seven different people just alone in the last three days. People I know that I'm doing this, but I know wow. we have to get into the whole topic, and we got to talk to Dr. Majid and all that stuff, and say hi to her and everything. Yes, I, I want to introduce the the lovely Dr. Majid. You know, Dr. Majid, I, I first want you to introduce yourself to everyone. Um, I'm super excited, by the way, to have you on here because this is such a hot topic. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Sinaya Majid. I'm a, I'm a board-certified bariatric surgeon as well as obesity medicine specialist, and I've been doing... Um, basically focused on the field of obesity now close to 13 years. So way before these medications became popular, yes. which, which is nice to know the before and the current. Ah. Now, just on that, so you've become a board certified bariatric. I mean, from, from a little bit of just so that everyone can really know. So you first have to become, correct me if I'm wrong, a board certified general surgeon first. Correct. So by training, I'm a general surgeon, and then I went on and did additional training focusing on bariatric, also known as weight loss surgery. Now, is that a fellowship or not really? It is a fellowship. Mm. All right, so you're a super specialist, you know, at, you know, all the surgeries, which, what is the newest and greatest now for the obese patients? Is it a gastric sleeve or what, what's going on yeah. now? So the, um, the sleeve gastrectomy is actually no longer the newest. This is the most commonly performed procedure worldwide and also in the United States. Uh, we now have what we call du modified duodenal switch. So duodenal switch uh, was, um, uh, it's an old procedure, but it's come back in a modified version. And we have seen some really phenomenal results both in terms of weight loss as well as resolution of comorbidities such as type 2 diabetes. Yes. And then we also have a one anastomosis gastric bypass that actually started in California within the U.S. It's been around outside the U.S. Um, so that would be the, the, the new kids on the block. <laughs> Wait, but can, can you explain that? What is that? One anastomosis gastric bypass. So the traditional gastric bypass are two hookups, as I explained to my patients, two anastomosis, two areas where we are connecting the small intestine with the stomach. And the one anastomosis is, of course, just, you know, one out of the two. And that's the small, I mean, just so everyone will know, I mean, as you eat, the food goes in the esophagus and goes into your stomach and it goes into the small intestine. Correct. So with the one anastomosis, are you adding another piece of small intestine to somewhere in the stomach? Right. So we are first making the size of the stomach smaller. The normal natural stomach is a large bag. So we make that smaller and that reduction in the size 
is a reduction of the person's ability, the stomach's ability to hold food. So you get the feeling of satiety, fullness faster, and satiety and hunger are two different things. And then we hook up um, a certain point in the small intestine, because small intestine, for a lot of people might not know, it can be as long as six feet long. So you really need to know where, which part to bring up and connect it to that smaller stomach. That would be the one hookup. It's like a loop going up to the stomach. Wow. It's fun. I mean, I gotta be honest, I feel like I'm gonna be the idiot here in this group because I'm with two renowned doctors and you're like absolute pros at what you do. So I know I'm gonna be a little bit of the dummy here because I'm I'm Dr. Nassif knows I love my six hundred pound life. I love my thousand pound sisters. Like those are my my go-tos for just relaxing at the end of the day. Um, you know, how do you feel about shows like that actually that do show, I mean, my 600 pound life is obviously more serious, but how do you feel as a doctor that does this? Um, how do you feel about that being in, in a spotlight? And then we'll get into more of what's in the spotlight. It's a, it's a loaded question for me to answer because a part of me is grateful. There's an opportunity to address obesity. Mm-hmm. It's um, one of those, you know, neglected areas of healthcare that have been unfortunately right. stigmatized and right. long overdue. So before the word pandemic became popular, thanks to COVID, you know, we've been calling obesity as a worldwide pandemic for years, but nobody really um, understood the magnitude of that. Um, so shows like this, which is one of the reasons why I'm here, any attention we can bring towards obesity, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be only at 600 pounds, is is so needed, so needed. And mm-hmm. so that's like a public health issue. And then obviously there is some drama associated with it, and right. it has to be a little bit of drama for people to want to watch it. Of course. And that I think <laughs> is, you know, you have to um, leave it to the person's judgment as to how much they're going to focus on the drama versus the message. So overall, I'm grateful that there are, there's an attention to this because that's that's the main, that, that's a big need. I agree with you. I mean, it is, uh, it's, it's been a, a, a huge issue in our, especially in our country, I feel, for a very long time. And it's been overlooked. And I think that's why it's, it also hits very close to home with family members. Uh, so this is a, a very pertinent, important topic for me personally. Um, you know, I want to segue now into um, a lot of the weight loss drugs that we're seeing right now. Uh, I have my own personal opinion. I know Dr. Nassif, you and I spoke about this, um, but I just, I, Dr. Majid, I would love to hear from you. How do you feel about this Ozempic trend? Yeah. Again, I'm grateful that you guys are paying attention to this because it's it's gone as you know it's gone viral, and when things yeah. like that go viral, there is a um, there's a little uh, there's a significant implication, and not everybody is thinking through all the different aspects of of this. So, um, again, my answer is going to be um, um, a little loaded. One. Does this address or bring attention to the need to try to lose weight? Yes. But then it also highlights the significance of doing it the right way. And that is where my biggest concern with medications like Ozempic is um, 
I mean, I can I can keep going, so you guys will have to stop me. Ozempic for everybody, I'm sure everybody knows, it's a type two diabetes medication. It's not a weight loss yeah. medication. And when right. FDA approves something for a particular use, I would expect that we should respect that. And healthcare professionals are supposed to be the first line to to respect that. I mean, FDA goes through a very rigorous process. We all witnessed that through the COVID vaccine and mm-hmm. they have that process. So once they have gone through the process and vetted something and and said, you know what, this medication is good for this di- this disease, then we need to respect the expertise behind FDA and 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 um, uh, you know follow it. And if the side effect of that medication is weight loss, which is some of the greatest discoveries in science are by chance. So we are mm-hmm. all open to to embracing that. But there's a way to put that into um, effect and bring it out to the masses. And it shouldn't be that you take the medication away from the type two diabetics who need it to give right. it to people who are not type two diabetics just because they can pay for it. I mean, that's just doesn't that's just not right. Well, let me, let me ask you this. I mean, first of all, there's um <clears throat> now Wagovi or Manjaro, which is the one that is indicated for they're both semi-glutides. But ah. what is the reason I should say which one now has been FDA approved for actual weight loss? Wagovi. Wagovi has. Ah. It's the same drug though as Ozempic, right? Correct. So they're all the same, just different names. So semaglutide is the generic. And mm-hmm. Ozempic and Vigovi are basically semaglutide. They have a different dose um, that we can go up to and Vigovi trade name um, made by the same company. It Like you can see the device, the, the pen looks almost identical, which is wow. why when I have patients calling me and I'll have patients calling specifically asking for, do you prescribe Ozempic? And my staff knows that my answer always is, no, we do not prescribe a Zempic, but we prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications. So uh, what are you looking for? Are you looking for help with weight loss? We are happy to help you. But if you're looking for a, uh, a name because it became popular and viral and uh, and that's what you want because that's what your neighbor is doing, then... Not exactly the best way to take care of your your health by following a popular trend. So one, the goal would though would be to get those patients in the door to see you, no matter what, because weight loss is your thing. And if they're not a surgical candidate, or if, or if you feel hey we can go this route, you know whether the Manjaro or any of these semaglutides or any of these different injections or basic diet, nutritionist, the whole bit, you're looking at the whole approach, correct? Correct. And everything is individualized based on that patient. Now, yes, we all know, just like with anything, when there's a high demand, your supply goes, Mm -hmm. and that also could drive up the cost, you know, until these things become, you know, produced by different companies, obviously, you know, when the patent lens have. And I don't know if a semaglutide has different companies that makes it um, so that, uh, you know, we can get generic forms of it. But yes, 
when a celebrity does anything that popularizes anything, whether it's a cosmetic treatment, lip fillers, from Kylie Jenner, for example, to whatever, I, I know there's been different celebrities using this, uh, but I will tell you that, yes, it has decreased the availability. Many of the pharmacies I know can't even have it. So the people that do need it can't get it now because everyone's using it. Now, there are different companies now and different apps, and they have a medical director. I do know this, that they've already bought plenty of a supply of these type of drugs. And you join the app, and it tells you about taking pictures of your food. And it's a, it's a pretty comprehensive approach, and they do prescribe this. You know, and um, matter of fact, <clears throat> I know one of the doctors who owns part of one of these, and it actually they're doing very well, and they have supply. And again, they, the, the patients are screened gently, um, and not as much as you would do, obviously. But for someone at the same point who wants to lose 10, 15, 20, 25 pounds, I assume it's very easy to do, besides what the side effects of what, feeling a little nauseated or something, or, you know, what's your overall, you know, because it is a quick weight loss thing. Yeah. Kind of quick. So um, anything that works very quickly is always short term. That's yeah. like a general rule of thumb, right, friend? And I uh, I can speak for my um, over the years personal approach towards this. It's, I've been focused on obesity way before Ozempic. Um, or semaglutides came into into the market. So the uh, one of the things about weight loss is that diet and exercise actually has not proven to be effective. And and when we say that, usually the patient's jaw drop and they're like, wait a minute, like, that like me. that is what is supposed to happen. And I'm like, the the problem is that the studies that prove it, because you can imagine how many companies and how many researchers would researchers would be very interested in figuring out the perfect diet or that perfect exercise. And they have tried it. They've really captured people, locked them up, monitored every single act, like movement during the day, what they ate, what they drank, like what's happening with the, there's like really fascinating studies that have been done. And we have not been able to come up with that magic diet because oh. it does not exist. So that's the first thing I, my approach as a clinician is what are we, what are we treating, right? We need to understand what we are up against and then everything else will fall into place. So within the world of weight loss and obesity, um, one size does not fit all. Some people need to mm -hmm. lose only 10 pounds and some people need to lose more. So you're absolutely right. The individualized treatment is the key. Like this is, you have to individualize it kind of similar to cosmetic, like, you know, the face and the eyes are going to look different for everybody in the shirt. Now, when we do go through the process and we determine that weight loss medications would be a good strategy moving forward, then at least in my practice, I say, look, these are the FDA approved medications. We always, Ozempic always comes up. I explain to them, and that's what I meant by the onus is on the healthcare professional, explain to them, they don't know that semaglutide is Vigovi as well as Ozempic. And mm -hmm. you don't need to take a medication that's for type 2 diabetics when the exact same thing is actually available in a different name. And let's see how we can get 
you that treatment. That's access to care, right? That's also, in my opinion, falls under the shoulders of clinicians. So first is, do they need it? Then secondly, if they need it, how do I get them the medication or the treatment that will benefit them the most? And in terms of the side effects, they are the GLP-1 agonist, which basically we all have that natural hormone and that that is an appetite suppressing hormone. So what they do is they've created that and then you inject it because if you ingest it, you swallow it, it breaks down. So it cannot be taken by the mouth. It has to be injected. And then that basically mimics your I'm now hungry feeling through that hormone. And, you know, the Human body is fascinating. There are multiple hormones that affect appetite, multiple hormones that affect satiety. So this is one of them, which means the opportunity is tremendous. We have to see what next gets blocked or mimicked. But for now, what we have is this GLP-1 agonist is one of the treatment options. And because it mimics mimics appetite suppression, people will feel less hungry. One of the ways this particular medication works is is by slowing down the stomach emptying. So food will stay in that bag that we talked about earlier for a longer period of time when you're on this medication. And hence, the feeling of nausea, the feeling of mm. I'm full, the feeling of you know reflux, regurgitation are, are very common because that's how the, the, the medication is supposed to work. And on the same extension is the stomach sits on top of the pancreas, which is an important organ that relates insulin and plays a role in diabetes. And mm-hmm. it could cause pancreatitis. So that's a, a side effect, a possible complication that can happen, which is the reason why, you know, you don't want to prescribe medications like that for anybody and everybody. You want to ask the pertinent questions in their history because there would be some people who would be better off without an increased risk of pancreatitis or gallbladder problems or you know medullary thyroid cancer which is another one of them so it's just there has to be some thought that goes into prescribing the medication i I have so many questions sorry so do i Brett, you go first I'm writing mine down. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to write stuff down. So, I mean, first of all, for me, my mother is diabetic. Um, she has not, she's been having a hard time getting a hold of her Ozempic because of this trend. And here, because of diabetes. Now, interestingly with her, um, you know, being Canadian, I'm ready to cross the border to go get it for her if I have to, because this country is having a shortage. And I will do what I have to do to help my mom. Um Interestingly with her, she does not lose weight on Ozempic. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, with Ozempic, the main thing that it does is it just, it doesn't like rev up your metabolism. It stops the need or want for food, correct? So yes, it does not affect metabolism. I know everybody's looking for that metabolism booster, but these medications are not metabolism boosters. The ones that are are actually not FDA approved because they come (laughs) with their own baggage, right? That's a separate session. But um, it basically works just the way I described it. It mimics a natural hormone and it slows down stomach emptying. So the feeling of fullness and and that's why for some people it works and for others it does not. So what happens when somebody stops the drug? What what happens to their body once they fit once they 
Do they put the weight back on? What happens? Excellent then? question. Absolutely. They do. The yeah. So they got to keep shooting themselves for life if they want to keep that weight off. You can imagine why pharmaceutical companies are quiet. Ah, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because you want to keep it off. I mean, the yeah, example, is where they're going to make the money. The money. Yeah. I mean, as a matter of fact, I'm, and I just read this. Um, this was in our notes, obviously. Is that social media star, Remy Bader? Am I saying it correct? Yes, um, I, I saw that. Yep. Yeah, so basically, <clears throat> was taking it to lose weight, and then again, you know, she ended up stopping it and then gaining more weight back. So you know, it's it's this is where it's a catch twenty two situation. How long do you have to be on it? You know, can you lose ten pounds and then gradually take yourself off, and uh, you know, and then going and just stop? And then you got to control your weight. I mean, the thing is, you know, it's a bummer about this is, as you mentioned, you know, calories in, calories out for diet and exercise is not really a good long-term from it all actually these studies. Doesn't work. It, it's a, it's a, it's not a proven so theory. When you have somebody that's looking for the 10 to 15 to 25 pound weight loss, what would be your recommendation? Obviously they're not surgery candidates. So what would be yeah. your recommendation? So I, I use weight loss medications a lot in my practice, um, which is one of the reasons I, I went and I did my boards in obesity medicine so I could really understand every medication and be comfortable prescribing it. And that also has taught me that this is a chronic disease, which means it's right. just like diabetes. Like it's going to be lifelong. So part of the thing is setting the expectations right, which, you know, I'm grateful being a surgeon, we are trained to do that, right? So that we can set expectations right. And I and and I, I am um, aware that a lot of the non-surgical colleagues are not, they're not trained like that to think about it. So from the very get-go, we say, these are the possible side effects, right? Because they can happen. Not a lot of people who prescribe medications usually are surgeons. They're usually medical folks who don't go into the details of possible complications because otherwise they would not finish with their office hours. Every medication has so many side effects. So so it's important to, to highlight the major ones and also to add to this that once you're on this medication, you are going to be on it for a long time because it's a slow weight loss process. Then when you when you hit your goal weight, at least in my practice, we believe in leaving the patients on for maintenance because sustained weight loss is actually the hardest thing to do. Losing the mm -hmm. weight is easy. Keeping it off is the hardest. So all mm -hmm. our resources are spent on what happens. We know patients will lose weight. What happens after that right so the maintenance and then that that is also another place where we individualize treatment how do we wean patients off right we don't want our patients to be dependent on a medication for the rest of their life and that's where having a team so i'm, I'm grateful like i have a dietitian i have access to really good behavioral therapist i have you know i've got my team day in and day out that's what our job is to like figure out how to get these patients to the best place that we can be but i can tell you that they can be 
patients are afraid of getting off the medication. So now we have this situation where we are like, you can do it. And they're like, nope, I don't want to put that weight on again. I am not getting off this medication. And you can't wow. force them to get off the medication. So that's what we are seeing. And then, and that's also another point that I just want to add in here. The value of using an FDA approved medication is that it's FDA approved for long-term use. So from a clinical standpoint, I, I am not putting my patients at any additional harm by leaving them on the medication because it's approved for long-term use. And that's another reason why I, I tell everybody, guys, don't start off on something just because it's there. Think about what's going to happen when the time comes for you to get off this medication and we only have, we don't have long-term data for Zempic as a weight loss medication. We don't. That, that's just, see, that's the thing that scares me is we don't have the long-term data. We don't know what's going to happen to people's bodies down the road. Uh, you know, we are seeing these trends. And, and what I also personally don't like is we're seeing all these uh, clinics pop up that are just throwing it out there for $1,000 a month, you know, four shots uh, in the month. And what I notice is they don't do a blood test. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Majid, but e even if you are to go that route, shouldn't you be doing a blood test to make sure that you're not going to drop on the floor from low blood sugar? I agree with you 100%. I'm actually impressed that you, not being from a clinical background, you understand the value of that because one of my favorite conversations is, why can't I get the prescription right now? Like, I want to leave with the prescription. And I say, I'm sorry, but I have a problem. I'm not going to prescribe it till I don't have blood work. So I've, had, I've had right. actually had, being close to New York, I've had people say, I can't believe this. I have to wait two weeks to get my prescription. And they walk out yeah. and like, that's fine. Go find one of these places. And they're unfortunately Good for you. quite a few of them. And then yep. I've also seen the other way around that they have gone to those pop-up telehealth. The medication will be delivered to yes. their home. And when they have a side effect or they're not feeling right, nobody's picking up the phone or the next available appointment is weeks or months later. And as a clinician, I mean, I, it really bothers me. It really bothers yeah. me. Like, how are we letting people um, dispense medications in this fashion? I, I, I just, I, I, I feel sad about the fact that this being is being done this way. And I'm gonna. I mean, I, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I feel that we're we're in a way being let down by our government. I'm sorry. I just, I'm gonna speak openly, but we're being let down in some ways with with things like this just being thrown out there like candy. Let me jump into that. You know, it's it's one of these things, just like from the days when Viagra came out, for example. Hmm. It's the same way. You go to your doctor first, and then they do a medical history. Then they give you that if you wanted to go. And now you right. can get it from all these different, you know, apps and online things. So it's it's really not not necessarily the government per se. It's just that I mean, it's a business, and right. you know, it's right. it's regulated to a point. And some of it's great, some of it not be great. Now, here's a negative thing about this. I was talking to my friend who has mm -hmm. another pharmacy. It's expensive, you know, for cash pay. I think they still have the insurance patients too. And um, for the diabetes part. And they were telling me that they know these different groups that are using 
they're making their own semi-glutide. You know, they're getting a compound pharmacy yep. to do this. Oh, my God. And then with that, it's not, obviously, it's it's not the specific drug. And there's more now. Again, I don't think there's, like, been any deaths or anything like that. But maybe oh. the side effect pro profile comorbidity is increased. But so we always have to be careful about this because right now, if you are a patient who's been used to getting it because of your mm -hmm. diabetes, as you see, when you go to that pharmacy, they may not have it anymore because, again, it's a very popular drug. Now, so, for example, pre-diabetes, I'm pre-diabetic. Um, really? More, more genetic. And I've been on metformin mm. uh, for probably six, seven years. And my hemoglobin A1C, which is the marketer, she'll kind of where you're heading, the pre-diabetic realm. You know, I've been 6'1", six, 6'2", six, in that area. And now I'm down about 5.6, 5.7. And that's just because of that. And I, you know, work out and try to eat decent. But it only goes down to a certain point. So what I heard was if you're on metformin, it decreases some of the side effects from Ozempic. Is that, do you know anything about that? Or? Yeah, I, I actually, um, thank you for sharing that. Um, and there is definitely a, you know, familial genetic component. And sometimes that's what we spend our, most of our effort trying to fight that. And there's so much we can do about that. Um, the short answer is no. Metformin, I mean, you're lucky that it sounds like you don't, you're tolerating metformin fine. We usually have patients who cannot tolerate metformin because of GI issues. Um, so that's yeah, actually that. a very common side effect of metformin. So you you combine two medications with GI side effects, oh. they're not reversing it. They're just compounding it. It's just that some people will experience it and others will not. And I've had some patients say, I didn't feel anything on uh, semaglutides and others who just cannot tolerate even before they hit the maximum dose, they can't even get to that. They just cannot tolerate it. And this is where the, it would be really interesting to know, like in the era of personalized medicine, how can we predict which ones would do better? And that's, that's, that would be fun um, to, to determine. So patients are not spending their time figuring it out, like trial and error with, with side effects. But the metformin does not negate um, semaglutide side effects. Now, Dr. Majid, how do you feel about peptides? Um, things like AOD 9604, uh, CJC ipamorlin. How do you feel about those as far as weight loss drugs? I, I always go back to, I'm going to give you a boring answer. I, I, I'm a student of science. Show mm -hmm. me the data and I will mm -hmm. follow it. If there's no data, I'm not doing it. And weight loss is unfortunately one of those areas that the, the, the data came much later. So what's more popular are the, what I say, gimmicky things that are not backed by science. Um, mm. And I'm always eager to, to study it, but I, if I'm not comfortable knowing what exactly it is, personally in my practice, I don't, I don't do it. So McKenzie... A lot of mm -hmm. the people and folks are listeners and me don't even know what the heck that is, <laughs> those peptides. Um, and if they're oral peptides or however you take no. them in an IV, 
um, or shots or whatever they are. They're shots oh, five times yeah. a week. And what are they supposed to do exactly? So both CJC Ipamorlin and AOD 9604, they are both weight loss injections. The, the difference with those is that because they are peptides and they are already injections of stuff the body already makes, um, the, the drawback is you have to inject five times a week on an empty stomach as opposed to the once a week with the Ozempic. Um, and it's like Dr. Majid, like what you were saying, you know, it's, it's not a one size fits all. You have to find the one that works for you. You know, so, um, semi, uh, the, I'm sorry, the Ipamorlin, um, the CJC that works for some people, AOD that works for other people. Some people gain weight. You, you don't know what your body's going to do, but this is going a more peptide route, a more natural alternative route. That's why I was curious, you know, Dr. Majid, your thoughts on those. Is it natural? It is. It, it is. I mean, you're injecting you, something. So just because it's it sounds has the same name as one of the see, it's interesting, right? How this is where yeah. I get fascinated by how human minds think and yeah. make decisions about something as personal as their health. Like in my opinion, there's nothing more important uh, than somebody's health, and I think the world kind of experienced that with COVID, right? Everything was there, mm-hmm. and then everything came to a standstill because the health was yeah. not there. So I'm like, right. I tell my patients, like, be be snobbish and picky, <laughs> and and become an elitist when it comes to what you put inside your body. Don't stop mm-hmm. at what mm-hmm. you put on top of your body. I'm like, you Correct. know, really pay attention to that. Well, that listen, that makes sense. I mean, in some of the questions that, you know, we want to probably specify to the audiences, right now, those drugs are unavailable at many places. Two, you have to find that pharmacy. Of course, that takes your insurance because they'd rather sell that to a cash-paying customer. Of course. You know, but, that, but that's going to happen, so that means... You know, it's just harder to get that medication if you're already on it or you're a diabetic or you want to try it. And that's where these private clinics, a lot of folks are going out there just jumping on to get on it with the proper follow-up. So that's that we know what's happening. Um, now, Dr. Majid, regarding it, I mean, a lot of patients might even come to you, and I don't know if they do. They have already been consulted with their own doctors. And basically, the doctor says, hey, go take Ozempic. But now, this patient's coming to see you for a weight loss consult. You already know they're on Ozempic because their doctor put them on Ozempic. You know, their primary care, their concierge doctor, whatever it is. You look at it and say, okay, let's talk about it. Let's see how it's working for you. And let's talk about all medical solutions first before going into the surgical route? Well, how does that work with you? So um, it really is uh, based on that individual patient's weight, BMI. Uh, We actually uh, do a body composition um, because it does give information and they are very simple uh, yet sophisticated tools that will give you that information. Then we combine it with blood work. 
um, mm. plus the individual family history, right? So, mm. and we mm. know that genetics and ethnicity and race play a big role. So there are yeah. some populations that are at higher risk for developing type 2 diabetes. I happen to belong to one of them. So the cutoff for South Asians is different than Caucasians, than Af- like than Blacks. So we look into all of that. I, uh, wow. And we do like almost an hour long consultation asking also about the previous attempts and the previous attempts could be doesn't have to be medical, like whatever they want to share. Uh, we kind of paint a picture of that individual and based on and then I also talk about what is your goal, because that mm. helps me understand uh, what that individual patient is looking to achieve and also, I think that I, 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 I don't practice old school medicine. I don't have a paternalistic approach. Like I don't tell the patient, you should be losing this amount. Yeah. No, I, I want to know what they want and then try to see how we can come up with an agreement that makes sense for him or her. And then I say, look, these are the tools. And I use the word tools deliberately because at the end of the day, they're all tools and yeah. that we that I have to approve. Their, sa- their safety is proven, we have data, and this is how it works. And then we kind of set expectations. And then we, in my practice, we have different tracks. So we have like weight loss medication track. We have, I, I offer a lot of other non-surgical solutions as well as surgical solutions. So everybody kind of gets on uh, a, a, in their own journey, uh, but the goal being what we what we identified in the initial consultation. So going back to your the patient example that you mentioned, if the patient comes uh, and he or she is already on a Zempic, that's fine. I mean, I, I get a lot of patients of, they don't think of me the first, like I'm not the first person to think of. So usually no. they've tried something or <laughs> so they're already crazy. on something. So we then, I try to understand where they are at and where they need to go and then what's the best way to get there. And um, use use medications a lot. Um, in combination with other therapies as well. You know, j- just because um, of our tithing, um, Mackenzie, I think we're running out of time, and this flew by. Uh, it did. So I, I think we got the, the summation of all this, which is not everyone knows that they just go start something. They don't know this. They got to make sure they know the side effects and the mm-hmm. longevity issue. Um, and it's always great to see someone like you, someone who knows about weight loss medicine. A pro. Especially if you're back east, they go see you. Um, yeah. And, you know, and listen, we're, we're going to have to have a, you know, Mackenzie and I were talking about this. We got to have a whole nother one more podcast because I have on the other side, I have a another doctor, too, that has worked in from the diet and the exercise. He's a cardiologist slash um, internal medicine doctor. And he's been dealing with, uh, he was on The Biggest Loser and all kinds of things, you know. So it's interesting hearing the different throws into this because, you know, I mean, and then we actually have to talk about, you know, what does it do when you're way overweight or overweight? You know, right. what does it do to your body? And again, you know, what? And I know that I don't want to get into it because it's a hot topic again. Was, are you saying it's bad to be overweight? You know, then you got to be careful because of the whole, the way 
everyone's looking at from plus size models and this and that. You know, we're only looking at the health issue. That's the you key know. is what what is healthy. So words matter. Words words matter. So how yes. we use our words and what what exactly do you mean by overweight? I mean, this is you know, it's a separate discussion. But I'm. This is what I do. This is my. I, I would love to be able to help and contribute in any way. And I'm just throwing it out there. Um, one of the areas that I would I, I'm would love to bring attention to is um, childhood and adolescent. Uh, yes, it's significantly on the rise. Um, so we have a lot of. I I feel like I have a lot of work to do in this field, but I'm so grateful to to both of you to give attention to this. Well, listen, you know, Alice referred you to us, and it's it's great having you. God bless Alice. On you know, and um, I mean, this is somebody we may even want to have you on again because then yeah. talk more about that because we can spend three or four different podcast just about this but um by the way do you have for everyone they want to follow you you have a instagram handle facebook yes. what go ahead and tell us what that is sure so dr majid dot weight loss is the instagram handle um, i'm following you right now our website is weight loss and wellness center um and we have uh, several different satellite locations all scattered in northern new jersey um, and, uh, I mean, I, I'm just, uh, I have a passion for obesity and I'm happy to help in any way that, that I can. Um, I, I also, um, just finished my presidency at the New Jersey state chapter of our society. Um, right. I present nationally on weight recurrence after bariatric surgery. So collaborating with non-surgeons on the topic of obesity is you know, I've written papers on it and presented nationally and internationally. Was in was in Canada earlier this year talking about it as well. So, um, congratulations! Yeah, happy to uh, anything, any way we can help. Uh, happy to do that. Get the word out. Yeah, yeah, Enjoy. it's important. Well, listen, thank you so much. Um, it's great for this. Thank you, Mackenzie. You want to have any last uh, comments you want to make? Except no, for I mean... can't wait for the next one. <laughs> Other than can't wait for the next one. Uh, Dr. Majid, really, I want to thank you so much for, for joining us because I, I agree with you. This, not not just the Ozempic side, which has taken the world by storm right now, but obesity in general is is a, a topic that we all need to address and bring awareness to. Yes. And I can't thank you enough for joining us thank to you so spread much. this word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Demystify Beauty, produced by Gotham Production Studios. If you have any questions for future episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on Instagram at D-E-M-Y-S-T-I-F-Y beauty or email us at demystifybeauty at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. See you next time.